In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone went to their own town to register. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born, and she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger, because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Today in the town of David, a Saviour has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you, you will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. Suddenly, a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven, and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they had seen him, they spread the word concerning what had been told to them about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned glorifying and praising God, for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. On the eighth day, when it was time to circumcise the child, he was named Jesus, the name the angel had given him before he was conceived. Now, on Friday, um, Wham's last Christmas was finally announced as the Christmas number one after uh, 39 years since it was released. Um, it's finally made it to the top of the charts for Christmas, joins British musical icons like the Beatles, the Spice Girls, as well as some less likely chart toppers, Mr. Blobby, Bob the Builder. Um, we built this city on sausage rolls. Well, I mean, what was that all about? I mean, remember that? It was bonkers. Looking at this year's contenders, and, and I guess this is no surprise, but there was a common theme. See if you can spot it. Um, so in Wham's Last Christmas, last Christmas I gave you my heart, but the very next day you gave it away. This year, to save me from tears, I'll give it to someone special. Um, in second place uh, was Sam Ryder's Your Christmas to Me. Listen to how it starts. You're the star upon the tree. You're the only gift I need. And I'd use up all my wishes if it only made you see. What a special time of year, full of joy and festive cheer. There's no better night for miracles, and I believe because you're Christmas to me. 
And then in third place, don't worry, I'm doing, only doing three, don't worry. Um, Mariah Carey, All I Want for Christmas. I don't want a lot for Christmas. There's just one thing I need. I don't care about the presents underneath the Christmas tree. I just want you for my own. More than you could ever know. Make my wish come true. All I want for Christmas is you. Common theme is they're all love songs. Um, they're about finding our ultimate joy in another person. Now, the God who is love made us in his image with a huge capacity for joy in loving and being loved. But for all the wonderful blessings of human friendships, the problem with seeking ultimate joy in loving another person is that no other human being is capable of giving us the ultimate forever joy that we long for. I think it's interesting, isn't it, that actually Wham's last Christmas, I gave you my heart, very next day, you gave it away. It's this whole thing that actually the loves that we have, the love that we give, it is fragile. Can't always be relied upon. But we long for a love that, that understands us completely. A love that is patient and kind, that does not envy or boast. A love that's not proud. A love that doesn't dishonor, is not self-seeking, is not easily angered, keeps no record of wrongs. A love that doesn't delight in evil but rejoices with the truth. A love that always protects, always trusts, always hopes always perseveres. We long for a love that never fails and that lasts forever, even beyond death. And truth is, there is no human being capable of giving us that ultimate love and joy that we are capable of and we long for except for one. And here's the joy at the very heart of Christmas. The Lord Jesus Christ. As the angel tells shepherds on the hills around Bethlehem, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. At the heart of Christmas is a great joy that is for everyone that the sensational glitz of a secular Christmas obscures. Now, on this Christmas Eve, I don't know how you're feeling about Christmas, probably a whole range of feelings here this morning. Well, as we look at God's word, let this good news today warm your heart. Jesus alone gives the ultimate joy and love that we long for and that we need. Now, apart from newborn Jesus in an animal feeding trough, his birth is entirely normal. It was his conception that was supernatural. And it's only as we join shepherds, people at the very bottom of the social pile on the hills around Bethlehem, that we understand the earth-changing significance of Jesus' birth. So let's join the shepherds and hear the angels' good news. And with them... 
Let's find Jesus to be our ultimate joy this Christmas. Here's our first thing. Joy for good news. This is good news. Now, Luke chapter 2 that we've just read records a chart-topping musical to top all charts ever. One nameless angel has the honor of lead singer with before thousands appear in the skies, thundering out their praise. There's no tickets that are sold for this stunning, angelic flash mob. The audience is a, well, a flock of sheep and a few humble shepherds looking after them. They're terrified as the blazing glory of God shines around them. Let's hear again, verse 10, what the angel says to them. Do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Now, what's the good news? Look at verse 11. Here's the good news. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be a sign to you. You'll find the baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And this news here is more than simply, yeah, there's a baby born in town. I mean, the birth of any baby brings natural joy to their parents. But this is good news that will bring great joy for all the people. And the good news is who this baby is. That's the good news. And we need to let the angel in on this because otherwise we will never ever rise above the material joys of this life. We will never rise to the great joy at the heart of Christmas. We'll enjoy thinking of a sweet little baby Jesus in a manger wrapped in cloths to protect him warm like any other Middle Eastern first century baby. Well, that's quite obscure, isn't it? But helplessly wrapped in cloths is, verse 11, a savior. Lying in a manger, verse 11, is the Messiah, the Christ, God's long-promised king, the ruler of heaven and earth. And nursed in his mother's arms is, verse 11, the Lord. The Lord whose angel has spoken to the shepherds, whose dazzling glory shone around them and terrified them. Unless we miss the astonishing watershed moment of history that is happening, the thin veil between this world and the eternal world gets ripped apart further on the hills around Bethlehem in verse 13. Look at verse 13. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly host appeared with the angel praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth peace to those on whom his favor rests. Now what kind of peace does on earth does Jesus bring? Is being announced here because earth is a place where there's war, where there's oppression where there's injustice that blights our lives. But if you saw in the news, the um, a nativity scene in Bethlehem has been made there out of rubber and razor wire. Bethlehem being part of Palestine, it, it, it's a nation where there's, there's conflict, an area of the world where there's horrendous suffering. And so it's a stark scene that's being painted there. So what, what are the hosts of heaven seeing in Jesus' birth that we so often fail to get excited about? Well, think of this. As a baby, 
at the start of Jesus' life on earth, his tiny limbs and his body, they're carefully and lovingly wrapped in cloths and placed in a manger by his mom. Bundle of life. But then as a man, at the end of his earthly life, his battered limbs, his crucified body were carefully and lovingly wrapped in stripped of cloth and placed in a tomb by his friends, a bundle of death. But at this lowest point of great sorrow bursts news of great joy. Three days later, his tomb is found empty and all that's left are those strips of cloth lying there by themselves because Jesus' resurrected limbs and powerful body has emerged from those wrapped cloth and he walks out of the tomb, bursting with life, with power forevermore. Jesus conquered sin, he conquered death, he conquered hell. Jesus is the best news you will ever, ever hear. His life, his death, his resurrection. It's incredible. Because he rose again. Our lives are fragile. Our lives are frail. And yet, what does your heart cry out for? Your heart cries out for forever. That is what we feel. Death should not be. That is what Jesus was born to offer us, eternal life with him. And here's why Jesus' birth is more than just joy. Notice that? This is joy that's great joy. Look again at verse 10. The good news the angel brings is news that will cause great joy for all the people. Now let's try and get this in some context. I came across a Christmas devotional that points out that the Bible is full of joy. It's mentioned over 200 times in English translations. But instances of great joy, well, they only feature in single figures. Great joy is rare and is saved for the high points of God's work. So in 1 Kings chapter 1, verse 40 in the Old Testament, King David anoints King Solomon, his son, as his successor. And we're told there was great joy, big occasion. In 2 Chronicles chapter 30, 26, Old Testament, the Passover is restored after years of neglect. And we're told there's great joy. Nehemiah 12, verse 43, when they dedicate Jerusalem's uh, walls being rebuilt after exile, we're told there's great joy. In Matthew and Luke, uh, they both mention great joy at Jesus' birth. But then also at his resurrection and ascension to heaven, we're told there's great joy. In Acts 15, verse 3, when we learn that it's not just Jews, but Gentiles, the whole world gets the gospel, there's great joy. And then in Jude 24, when believers come into the very presence of God in the life to come, we're told it'll be with great joy. So here at Jesus' birth, joy is the stuff of every day, but great joy is kept for the high points. And at Jesus' birth, great joy reaches from the heights of heaven as thousands of angels worship over the hills of Bethlehem. But great joy also reached great depths of earth 
as in the pursuit of great joy in there being peace between God in heaven and people on earth, Jesus was born to die on the cross. And so in the New Testament book of Hebrews, chapter 12, verse 2, we're told that Jesus, as he faced the cross, for the joy set before him, the joy of saving everyone who trusts in his death for forgiveness, making peace between them and God through his death, giving eternal life through his resurrection for that joy, we're told that Jesus, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. Now, I wonder if this Christmas, are you seeing, are you seeing that joy? Are you feeling it? This great joy at the very heart of Christmas. Jesus is born, verse 11, the Savior the Messiah, the Lord. Now, I don't know what's changed for you in the, over the past year, but what hasn't changed is Jesus. It's not that our, our sadness, our struggle for joy is unimportant. Jesus' birth doesn't say, pull yourself together and cheer up, it's Christmas. No, Jesus' birth says, now, with, with this particular set of circumstances in your life, find in me not just joy, but your greatest joy. Now, how do we do this? What does this great joy look like in Jesus? Well, think of who Jesus, the baby of Bethlehem, is said to be in verse 11. Jesus is born the Savior who we should trust to save us, the Messiah whom we should obey, and the Lord we should worship. But see, this is what happens. We, we find that this great joy is elusive to us because we typically trust in ourselves to save us ourselves and other people. And great joy is elusive to us when we think and behave as though we're the Messiah, we're the king in charge of our lives, as though we've we call all the shots when clearly, actually, we really aren't in charge. So much is out of our control in our lives. They're fragile. And great joy is elusive to us when we worship the good gifts that God gives us, expecting our ultimate joy from them, and therefore we, we kind of ruin them because they they're not able to stand that kind of expectation rather than worshiping him and seeking our ultimate joy in him, the Lord and giver of life. If we're to know this great joy at the heart of Christmas, we need Jesus. We need him as our savior, as our Messiah, and as our Lord. Cartoonist Charlie Mackesee, um, his sketches became famous in the COVID pandemic. Many were drawn in public places and were loved by many people. Um, here's one of them. Um, you may remember this one. Uh, it features a boy riding a horse, and the caption reads, What's the bravest thing you've ever said? Asked the boy. Help, said the horse. Now, that, that is helpful on all sorts of levels in the struggles that we face. We, we can be slow to ask for help. 
It's a brave thing to ask for help. But it's particularly helpful in seeing our need of salvation. It's a hard thing to see that. See, our pride and our natural instinct is to want to be our own savior, our own Messiah and King, and our own Lord. That is a strong instinct. Independence of God, that is at the very heart of our sinfulness. And it takes spiritual bravery and humility to confess it as sinful to God. It's crying out, Jesus, help. That is what we need most. Jesus, help me to trust in your death for my forgiveness. You are Savior, not me. Jesus, help me to obey you. You are the Messiah who even beat death. I'm not the Messiah. Jesus, help me to worship you. You are the Lord of heaven and earth, not me. And it's as we give ourselves to him, ask his help. That is how we find this great joy at the heart of Christmas. It's how we receive forgiveness. It's how we receive peace with God through Jesus' death and eternal life through his resurrection. We lean hard into his saving grace and we find that he is wonderfully and overwhelmingly sufficient for us. I wonder if you found that joy this Christmas, giving yourself, your life, your trust, your everything to him. Because this great joy is, lastly, for all the people. It is for everyone. I wonder how many invites, if you're a believer here this morning, how many invites you've given out to um, maybe our Christmas events this year and people have said oh I'm, I'm not a religious person I, you know I'm not a church going person as though the events of Christmas are, are kind of for some but not really for others we'll just look one more time at verse 10 the angel explains do not be afraid I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people but that's that's everyone in the world in all of history now, maybe this morning for you, great joy feels more elusive than ever. It's like trying to nail jelly. But what if? What if the angel is right here? What if Jesus really is the key to a joy so great that nothing in that this life throws at you can change it? Maybe you've convinced yourself that God doesn't really want you. Your life, your past, it's too messy, too complicated, too distant from him. You hear Jesus came to save everyone. but Maybe for, for you, from your perspective, it feels like some Christians don't actually really believe that in the way they treat people. Remember this good news of great joy is given to shepherds. They were the very, very bottom of the social pile. They were nobodies in their society. And interestingly, the religious types, they were nowhere to be found on that night. With Jesus, there is no religious, no social, no economic, no racial privilege. Verse 10, he's good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Jesus is good news for you. 
Good news of great joy. He's good news of great joy for me. He's good news of great joy for every person you've ever locked eyes with. He is our only hope. We live in a world where our sin has brought misery and death. Everyone needs the Savior. Everyone needs forgiveness. Everyone needs peace with God. Everyone needs eternal life. And we need, you need, I need this baby wrapped in cloths, but who became the man to burst out of grave cloths, who beat death, who offers eternal life to all who believe. I wonder if you can see this morning why Jesus is good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Don't miss out on the greatest event of history that was for you. Or just imagine having that joy and keeping it to yourself, being coy or careless about making Jesus known. Great joy doesn't do that. Great joy overflows from your life. And the shepherds, look at them, they can't contain themselves. They can't help themselves. In verse 16 to 20, have a look at it. They hurried off and found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. When they'd seen him, they spread the word concerning what they'd been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary treasured up all these things and pondered them in her heart. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen, which were just as they had been told. Well, today in Luke's gospel, we've heard the angel's message. And we've, we've seen the good news that will cause great joy for all the people. Jesus is the Savior. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. He brings glory to God in the highest heavens and on earth peace with God, eternal life with him. Let's pursue our ultimate joy in him. Because God made us in his image with a huge capacity for love and for being loved. And yet for all the wonderful blessings of human friendship, there is no human being capable of giving us that ultimate joy and love we long for, except for one, Jesus, God-man. May he be our joy at the heart of this Christmas. And may we, like the shepherds, spread the word concerning what we've been told about Jesus, the Savior, King, the Lord of all things.